Chapter 14 You really ought to know about Poema Lyrica, for when she closed her eyes, she heard music. And as a girl who lived in a world that was determined to remind her that music did not exist, she was quite determined to ignore them. It was a very nice thing to be able to slow down the world with a word or a whisper or a whine, because if someone tried to tell Poema Lyrica lies she did not want to hear, well, she did not have to give them the time. Quickly, this way. No time to dilly or dally. She led them gracefully away from the theater, her running so agile it might have been flying. You don't have to tell us twice. Louis assured their guide as he ran quickly on her heels, not letting the mysterious girl get too far away from them. Outside, the world was dark, and the moon shone down on a long cobblestone street of squat brick buildings that looked old, run down, and musty. There were a few people milling about the streets on this lonely night, but all in all, it was an eerie area. Unlike New Bravo City, which had been bustling and ever moving, or Decapo, which had been lonely and empty, this place seemed somewhere in the middle, half alive, half remembered. Where are we? Silverbell asked, as she looked around the dilapidated little town. The city of Coda. The ivory-haired girl told them, as she led their running pack with long, confident strides, as smooth as the moonlight that lit their way. Oh, hey! Louie, isn't that where we wanted to go? Tico looked to the boy running at his side, quite impressed. Oh, hey, yeah! Louie smiled brightly, equally as impressed, and perhaps even more surprised. I did that! Good job, Louie! Silverbell congratulated him genuinely. Next time, let's just make the drop-off point somewhere less, um, dangerous. Quick turn now. Keep your step lively. The girl leading shouted orders as they whipped around the corner onto a new street, and then around another corner into an alley, and then out of that alley onto another street, and finally through one more alley into a quiet, dilapidated cul-de-sac. I think we lost him, but we shouldn't take any chances. We're almost to safety. It won't be long now. Poem looked over her shoulder as she kept marching them on, knowing the ground under her feet without having to look. Her run had now slowed to a graceful walk, yet still just as strong in her stride, as Silver Beltico and Louie padded and panted along beside her. Or maybe it will. I sometimes forget how other people process time. Her tone was so unconcerned that she could have just been ordering beef from the deli. Do you forget how people process time? Louis looked curiously between Tico and Silverbell to make sure that everyone had heard what he had. I mean, don't we all? In our way? Poem responded cryptically, her sparkling green eyes looking at nothing and everything all at once. Oh, so you're really weird. Silverbell realized. I like that. And Silverbell was happy to follow where Poem Alirica led. I rather like that myself. Poem agreed with a sharp smile. So, uh... You going to tell us what's going on, who you are, or how and why you saved us? Silverbell also tried to act casual and unconcerned, imitating the older girl's calm and detached manner. I have found that such questions are better for inside, so inside shall we not go? Even when not singing, Poem's voice was musical and whimsical, her words almost rhyming, her sentences almost riddles. Yet they were riddles that were easy enough to solve, as just then she approached a great iron gate at the end of the cul-de-sac's loop, and there behind was a great looming building. What is this place? Louis asked with awe-filled eyes, as he looked through the bars. A library? It looks like my boarding school. Tico suggested as he peered through the keyhole. Or a really nice prison? Silverbell guessed, as she attempted to stand on her tiptoes to look over the gate, failing quite miserably due to her perfectly small height. It's my home. Poem corrected them all. 
The building behind the gate did not look like any home that any of the children with her had ever known. It was four stories tall and three cornfields wide, and should have been the most miraculous sort of palace, if not for the fractured glass and cracked columns and hungry vines consuming the brick on all sides. Now let's hurry along. Safety awaits. Unlocking the gate with a handsome key from the pocket of her stylish white cloak, she rushed them through and proudly led them up the stone path through an overgrown garden with beautiful flowers and overflowing weeds that looked like crooked animals in the shadow of the night, and finally up to the great carved wooden door at the mansion's front. Yet before Poem could knock on it, reach for it, or even get within a foot of it, the door flew open. Instinctively, Silverbell and Louis bounded backward in terror, and Silverbell was reaching for her violin before she realized that the figure at the door was no dastardly villain, but simply a butler. Ms. Lyrica, he said with a respectful head nod and a respectful accent that made him sound educated and smarter than everyone else. And friends. He nodded to Tico, who was standing on the stoop, and then to Silverbell and Louis, who were practically hidden in a bush of thorny flowers. You guys okay? Tico stared at them bewildered and still a bit dazed. Should I have jumped back too? No, don't worry, man. Silverbell brushed the leaves off her shoulder and helped Louis out of the bush. Just means you don't have deeply ingrained trauma. She mumbled through a laugh, though it didn't feel very funny at all. Mr. Bordred, let us remember to speak softly and move slowly around my new friends. Something tells me they're in need of a little calm and kindness. Poem instructed her butler, though she was giving Silverbell and Louie a knowing look. Yes, Miss Alirica. He replied with another dutiful nod. Would you care to follow me? Poem was already walking inside, and taking Louie's hand in hers... Silverbell Smith cared to do just that. The inside was just like the outside, beautiful but broken. The floor, the ceiling, the banister, the chandelier, every inch of every surface was to be admired and adored, but also somehow pitied. The carpet was faded, the lights were dim, and the great-grandfather clock seemed to tick just a half-second too slow. Silverbell Smith had never realized how beautiful sadness could be. Father... All eyes turned to the left, where in the heavily furnished and poorly lit den, Poem was crossing to a large wing armchair, where there sat a not-so-large, unwinged man. Father? Poem said again, gently and kindly, lowering to her knees at the chair's arm. Cadence. The man, who was neither old nor young, but perfectly middle-aged, had been sleeping, or perhaps just resting his eyes, but when he looked up to see Poem at his side, he smiled. No, father. It's poem, she told him. He looked at her curiously, and Silverbell found her own brow furrowing, wondering why a father wouldn't be able to recognize his own daughter. Poem, the man repeated, the name comfortable in his voice, but not quite familiar. Hello, dear. He then looked away from her and down to his lap, where on the blanket that covered his legs was an open notebook with scribbles and scrawlings covering every inch of the page. Yet it seemed not enough for his liking, as he quickly set to work at it again, with the pen that had been stuck in the binding. Father, I've brought some music-maker friends home who are being chased by a dastardly villain. They are going to stay here for a while. They are going to help us. Poem was perfectly confident in everything she said, but perfectly gentle in everything she declared. And tenderly, she adjusted the blanket on his lap that was crooked. Oh, music-makers, you say? Her father nodded mindlessly, still scribbling, still scrawling. That can't be right. 
but it must be if you're saying it, but can't be because they say it isn't. Perhaps if I write it, I can write it. For to write the world, you must write the world. Mr. Alirico was not quite talking to his daughter, but around his daughter. If anything, his conversation was with the paper that was on his lap. Yes, do just that, for it can only do just good. Poem patted him gently on the arm, and rose with ease, leaving her father to his pleasant and placated writing and rambling behind her. Right this way. Poem marched past Silverbell and her friends, making a beeline for the grand and dismal staircase leading up to the second floor. Your father, Silverbell said surprised, running up beside Poem. He knows about music makers? He does and he doesn't. He doesn't and he does. Poem shrugged with an unfortunate sigh. It is appalling what can happen to a man when he is certain something is true, but the world is certain it is false. How can you believe what you believe if what you believe is not believed? It is enough to drive a man mad. Oh, sure. Silverbell was uncertain if she should have asked, suddenly feeling quite sad for reasons she didn't quite understand. Who are you? Louis dared to ask, almost reverently, now that they were finally inside where such things could be asked. I'm just like you. The girl replied vaguely as she began to march up the stairs. You're an 11-year-old boy who got kidnapped by a man because you own a flute so you had to run away? You're a 12-year-old girl who used to live in an underground trolley tunnel and has little to no memory of her family? You're a 13-year-old boy with no friends who is attempting to solve the greatest mystery of all time? Well, no. And I also would like to express my deepest condolences for how wretched your lives appear to have been. The girl looked dismayed at the trio before her, something very maternal in her grief, as if she herself wasn't still simply a child. I am a fourteen-year-old girl, whose mother is missing, and father is mad, and perhaps, best of all, or worst of all, I cannot quite decide. I am a music maker, as it seems we all are. So I suggest we all band together, whilst we are together, and hurry up and save the world. Gosh, you talk fast. Silverba blinked wide-eyed, not sure if she had heard, processed, or even known half the words Poem had just thrust at them with ease. Thank you. Poem accepted this as the compliment it was. And goodness, is there a lot to talk about.